0: Need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavour? May be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about? Or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China? Then this is your show, China Businesscast.
1: Welcome to the China Business Cast. In this week's episode, episode 94, we're talking with Matthew Bodin as sort of a continuation of our previous episode where we're talking about innovation and this time we're taking it to how entrepreneurship, innovation is viewed in China from a venture capital accelerator standpoint and what's the deal with all these unicorns and why is everyone going crazy about them. But before we jump into the episode, I have some exciting announcements to make. The China Business Cast now has an official WeChat account, so we'll be able to post directly on WeChat, share news, and get the community more involved. And now what really excites me is we also have a WeChat mini program, so you can listen directly in WeChat to our upcoming episodes, be notified, and check things out. So directly in WeChat, um, like the newest of the newest technology, was quite a, quite a struggle to get things going. But we we made it, and uh, it's linked directly in the account. So I'm super excited about that. So when you search for China Business Cast as one word in WeChat, you should be able to find our official account, follow us, and then get access to the mini program so you can directly tune into all the episodes. So yeah, that's super, super cool. Um, Our team has been working hard on getting that going. So I'd like to do a big thank you for the team and uh, everyone who supported that. But without further ado, let's tune in to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Matthew. Um, we met uh, quite a few years ago um, in Chengdu actually at uh, one of the Startup uh, Weekend uh, events. Um, for our listeners, can you, can you share a little bit about your background, what do you do and um, what's your connection to China? So
0: um, so my name is Mathieu Bodin, I'm the regional manager for Techstars in Greater China. And uh, my story with this region actually started in 2003. I spent high school in Beijing uh, because of my dad's job, and that literally blew my mind. I was coming from a small city in France and discovering Beijing at a time when it was evolving so quickly, rapidly in anticipation of the Olympic Games. How
1: many ring roads did they have at that time? Are you doing? Which one sorry? The ring roads.
0: Oh well it was already quite a few. Okay. But the metric was um, subway lines. Ah. Back then it was maybe two or three and now it's what twenty or something? Crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but basically we also took this opportunity to go to so many random places uh we went to Harbin we went to Lhasa we went to Sian Chengdu a couple times Chengdu etc and that literally blew our mind so when I went back to France for studying I I suddenly went from that broad perspective into a very very small world and I and I felt a cultural shock then and um and as soon as I got my degree i wanted to return to this part of the world and uh, hong kong was uh, a simpler choice than mainland china as a frenchman back then arrived in hong kong uh tried to create a first business didn't work so uh, looked for jobs and as i was trying to kind of grow my career i started getting involved in th- in that weird thing called startup weekend and startup weekend brought me two things the first one was my first real tech startup But it also brought me this understanding of what is community building. And over the years, I kind of became the last man standing from that second organizing team to the point where when the person before me resigned from his role, I was kind of the the natural choice to take over. So when Techstars approached me and they said, you're going to be regional manager for Greater China, I said, no way. Because back then I was in Hong Kong. And if you've been in Hong Kong, you know that the the impression of men China is a little scaring uh, and so I didn't want to be involved with men China back then. But eventually, after having insisted, I, I took the job and uh, my wife, employers two years and a half ago asked us
1: to move to Shanghai and that's how we landed here. Okay, yeah, that's great. Um, today, we're going to be talking about, <clears throat> I think, quite an interesting topic. And, and I have a certain view, and, and maybe you have a hopefully different view, uh, or maybe you agree. Um, we already touched upon it in, uh, in our previous recording, um, which we actually did earlier this morning, uh, which was with uh, Amando and, uh, and Lewis of the Free Entrepreneurs. We talked about um, innovation. Um, and one of the things, if I continue on that, somewhere I, I read or heard or, or saw um, uh, the following statement: someone saying that we need more innovators and less, or innovators versus innovation. So there's a difference between radical new discoveries and maybe innovation defined as as incremental improvements or smaller improvements. Um, how do you see from from being in uh, Techstar, like lots of innovation, uh, um, new things happening. How do you see the difference between inventing or inventors and, and innovation? So that's a good question. We almost
0: don't think about it. For us, what really matters is helping entrepreneurs on their journey. And if they want to start with a small incremental improvement that helps so many customers do something a little better and the entrepreneurs are able to make money out of it and grow a team and become successful, that's fine by us. The point is, and and that's probably my personal belief. I believe that we are all on our own journey towards innovation, right? Or or success. And if it means that your first experience it's is slightly less disruptive than experience number three, four, five it does not matter. you got to go through this cycle where you discover what you're capable of. You get yourself face-to-face with challenges, with fears, and you improve along the way. With, there is a joke in the accelerator world that um, most of the startups applying to um, a, a big accelerator come in as a ticketing platform for something. But it's the magic that happens during the accelerator that will give the real shape to the team of founders. The point is, again, I don't really judge a team on what they, where they are right now. What's more exciting is what's going on later along their journey. So for me, the, the article that I really like is the one that goes along the line of invest in lines and not in dots. So again, you can start by just a tiny incremental improvement but if you keep fighting for it, eventually
1: your impact can be massive. Hmm, okay. So we're right now we're in Shanghai. There's a, there's a lot of accelerators and incubators and, and venture capitalists going on. Um, I would say uh, more than, than where I'm based in, in Chengdu. Um, definitely there's also things happening like that, but, but Shanghai is, in, together with probably Beijing, is one of the, the hotspots of China, right? Um, how does tech stars fit in that environment, maybe globally, um, or or also in in the Chinese context? That's an excellent question. Um, Tech stars see itself as
0: the anti-Silicon Valley, meaning that in a certain sense, the Silicon Valley's mindset is, let's bring to our place the best entrepreneurs, the best employees, the best VCs, the best corporate partners, right? Techstars mindset, because we originally come from Boulder, Colorado, the mindset of Techstars is to say that actually entrepreneurs should create their business wherever they decide to. And it's our role to help them be successful faster. And suddenly when you look at it, we are so much more excited about identifying the opportunities around the world rather than creating clusters. Now, There is something that's very exciting and that's happening right now in Shanghai, as you mentioned, is the number of opportunities for entrepreneurs to grow their business faster. And in my mind, it's actually a sign of health of an ecosystem. I'm not looking at the quality of these players right now because they are just starting. So they will have to go through their own journey as well, right? And eventually some will die and, you know, the founders of these initial experiments might grow better and stronger, right? But the fact that there are so many options is a good, healthy, positive component of a community growing. And so we never look at other accelerators and think, oh my God, they're all competitors, right? Let's shut them down. Or we're never looking at alternatives to Startup Weekend and be like, oh, you know, they've copied our model or whatever and they're all competitors. It's actually quite the other way around. We have just scratched the surface in this country. And so the more players, the more... Um, things are being talked
1: around innovation, the better we are all going to be in the end So we're all in in a journey together and and without pain, no gain Yeah, exactly, right It's not a zero-sum game, it's not because you're winning a deal, for example,
0: that I'm losing it It's actually quite the other way around The more players, the bigger the pie is becoming
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, good I'm an entrepreneur and and you're entrepreneurial and you had your own startups or you still have your own startup. And I I really love the hustle. Um, And while we're talking about this accelerator and and incubator whole ecosystem, um, I have a feeling that it has maybe taken a wrong turn um, in the last five to ten years um, or or maybe even longer. But I'm not aware of that um, on that long of a time frame. Uh, but a, a lot of focus of these ecosystems is always growing fast. You have to go sky high. you got to break back uh, growth. And, and I'm maybe more proponent of, of more organic, maybe slightly slower growth. I see there's definitely a, uh, a tool as like capital or, or these ecosystems. They can help you grow. But to a certain point, I don't think... Um, for a lot of companies raising money and, and the growth that's almost the end goal and not uh, the tool to accomplish what their original goals were uh, what is what is kind of your view on that and um, do you see that as a, as a wrong turn or do you see that as a normal evolution of the systems or what's your view so so First, I try to educate myself towards what's going
0: on here in China. And um, Blitzkrieg, the book from Raid of Men, the founder of LinkedIn, is so interesting because you really do understand this idea that as soon as you find the product market thing, then it's all about like world uh, domination. And it's true that in China, we are seeing this, right? These big players, they feel like you either go big or you go bust um interestingly though that's not necessarily the tech stars mindset we are very comfortable in looking at the long tail of the startups not necessarily the big ones that are going to become you know household names and unicorns but the businesses that can reach 100 million 200 million which is amazing already right they hire thousands of people they do good things one of our model is SendGrid. we've invested in them we've helped them it's not a very common name, but they are doing fantastically well. And, and these are the type of startups that we are really excited about. Then what's our opinion of China? Well, there is a question mark. And this is something that we are exploring with a lot of attention. Would we bring value to these Chinese startups that are going in script mode? I don't know for sure. And are there this long tail of startups here in China? Hard to tell as well. I think what we're observing is a different model altogether. And I'm working with different community builders and leaders to figure out what is this Chinese model going to be. Is it going to be following the Lin startup? Is it going to be about breaking it? I think it's going to be like what's happening in the internet. It's going to be different. And what's happening is just the first steps toward a much bigger movement that we have yet to understand. And that that's what I'm working a lot with around the country understanding how is that model going to be but I don't know if it's going to be you know big unicorn trying to get created in three years just looking at the amount of money they've raised. like to me that sounds like Early stage mindset where all they care about are vanity metrics. There is no excitement
1: there. But you agree with me that's like that is that's a kind of a trend going on right now, right? Over the last years, and then still, I think, even though money is a little bit harder to come by yeah. um, in China, maybe uh, the last year. Yeah. But it's, it's all about massive growth. In, in if you're not a 100 million company in two years since founding, you're you're, only, you're, 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 you're a loser. <laughs> that's right. But it's like, oh, I only got. 10 million revenue or 50 million revenue in the first few years and then I'm considered a loser. Like, no, I think that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, How many right. people yeah. can say that they run a hundred million dollar uh, or whatever currency uh, company, uh, but there's sort of a mindset that has to be grow faster and harder and, and, and crazier and I don't think that's very sustainable in the long run. There is something that we uh, we look into and it's, it's called the power
0: of signaling. Meaning that um, it's so difficult to acquire customers here in China, right? It's so expensive. It's probably becoming one of the most expensive markets. So I think many entrepreneurs and probably their PR teams are hoping that by announcing how successful they are with a number that makes sense to the general public, they're going to signal that they are so successful that people are missing out of something. So I'm wondering if it's... Well, first of all, it's a flow of the system because it lacks education. But what I'm wondering also is if it's not the one signal that entrepreneurs hope... Will help them acquire customers for cheap.
1: So that's you know I, I want to balance
0: also the, the okay. mindset.
1: Okay, so yeah, there's there's also another side. that maybe use it as a as a marketing. Yeah, I'm wondering tool this... or term or, or uh, metric yeah. um, to show. Yeah, yeah, I'm successful. Please become a customer because otherwise you're missing out on on whatever they're they're doing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that's a fair point from the entrepreneur standpoint. Um, from the venture capitalist, I think they're they're making big bets, right? Yeah. Um, they invest in ten companies, nine of them go belly up, yeah. um, and they gotta earn all that money back um, on that one that becomes a unicorn, basically, or, or highly successful. Um, so I think it's also part of the venture capitalist methods or mindset that it helps this kind of trend to. to you gotta scale super big, super fast, otherwise it's just not worth their time. Mm. And. Making money is, is, is important. Everyone needs money and, and things like that. But I think if you take it sl- slightly yeah. at a slower pace, there's still good money to be earned. Absolutely. Just maybe not at a, a hundredfold or fiftyfold over your initial investments. Mm. Um, so maybe worldwide or maybe China, there's maybe a bit of greed as well mm. um, in the past. Um, I think what's interesting is the fact
0: that there are different possibilities. Around the world, right? So if you, if you have a, a new technology and you want to make sure that it's in as many hands as possible, you can go that path, right? Blitz scaling. If you are just an idea and, and you've seen that there's a business elsewhere and you want to replicate it, then there is Rocket Internet. If you are the founder of 37 Signals, I don't know if you've looked at his blog, but it's, it's amazing. It's on Medium. You have also this option. The question is, what is going to be available here in China? Are they only going to offer the blitz scaling mode to successful entrepreneurs? Or will there be also a movement of more slow paced entrepreneurs that aren't after these vanity metrics and instead building, you know, sustainable, uh, slightly slower paced startups? So I think it's again, it's a sign of health that there is money in the system, that there are people still willing to lose their shirt on a couple of bets, but hopefully, Entrepreneurs will have more options as we all kind of become more educated.
1: But yeah, okay, it makes sense. But and then we're bringing it back to the the no pain, no gain is part of the learning process. We're all still immature in this whole ecosystem, yeah, uh, and we're we're all still growing all together. And, and there's going to be pain points, of course.
0: That's right. And but this is what's fascinating for people like us, right? We get to be observers. We're on the front seat because you have got to be in China to understand the Chinese model, right? And and we're observing these crazy things that are happening. I mean, who would bet that Ofo would go bust so quickly? You know what I mean? Or Pingdoudo? This was completely unexpected. But these are the amazing things that are shaping entrepreneurship as we understand it from a Chinese perspective over the next five to ten years.
1: For sure, for sure. There's there's. Well, people always ask me why why you're in China. It's, mm. it's just I guess I, I like the place. But um, one of the things why I like the place is it's just adventurous. Where we're always learning and, and having boots on the ground, being on the ground, that's, that's where the battles are being fought and that's where I feel most happy and where I can learn the most. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know
0: if you've thought about it this way, but I, I tend to say to people asking me, you know, when was the last time we met? I tend to multiply every duration by seven. I say that being an entrepreneur or community builder in China is like dog years. There is just so much going on all the time that everything feels like, you know, we haven't seen each other for like two decades. Yeah, but that was two years
1: ago. Yeah, but there is so much going on here. It's a, such a fast pace for sure. Um, taking away from my, from my pet peeve that like, I think the whole venture capitalist thing and, and the blitzkrieging uh, is not really my thing, um, but let's change pace and, and take things uh, maybe a bit more in the China context. Um, what kind of insights can you share about other insights about the startup and accelerator and, and that are specifically Chinese? What kind of companies come in? Um, what kind of problems do they have? What kind of challenges and, and what kind of um, potentials maybe you see that are different from um, the West or the US or, or other markets?
0: So I have a very contradictory opinion about the startup ecosystem in China and hopefully you're not going to like it. Um, <laughs> it's the idea that we are actually in a very, very early stage market but the startups that we are seeing being successful are the outliers. Basically, um, we are seeing so many of these successful startups that everybody is believing that the Chinese tech ecosystem is so mature. But it's wrong, it's just the scale of China. But in fact, if you look at the grassroots level, the education level, the experience level, it's still so, so, so early stage. And it's frustrating because all the VCs, all the organizations and corporations, they are looking at these outliers and they're like, yeah, I want to a, a, a chunk of it. And so they are looking for the next ones. But the reality is we still have so much groundwork to do of educating the next generation of entrepreneurs, giving them a chance to fail a couple of times. And this is where we are right now. So we need to nurture the outliers because they are giving good signs and they are educating the next angel investors. But at the same time, we shouldn't forget that, you know, the vast majority of students don't necessarily consider entrepreneurship as an option, which is kind of, Weird if you compare this with uh, Silicon Valley or different places in uh, in Israel and Europe. So if we look at the Chinese tech market as a very early stage ecosystem, then that's something we want to keep in mind as an accelerator, as um, startup weekend community builders, as VCs, etc., but that's something we should not fool ourselves with. There is still so much to grow. We are really
1: just scratching the surface. Do you agree with this, or you disagree with it? No, I I, I agree with Damn that. It. Um, <laughs> well, for sure, in China, there's there's lots of where it's not it's immature in, in a lot of different um, areas. Yeah, I, and there's lots of things to to learn and grow. Mm. And hopefully, the the companies that are doing good now that are that are growing that are learning they can pass off their knowledge and their experiences to a new generation of entrepreneurs and and get a snow um, snowball rolling that that's growing and bigger and 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 learning from itself
0: that's right you probably heard of the paypal mafia right of the ebay mafia when are we gonna see the mobike mafia the the alibaba mafia like these are the people who we need to keep an eye on because they will be the one helping the next generation of entrepreneurs be successful faster
1: so i'm excited about this i, I i've heard that they're already calling like the, the china uber mafia uh-huh. um so the the people who were running uber in china before they sold it to um to dd mm-hmm. um that's yeah that's the kind of generation that i think you're you're talking Interesting. about um all right cool And so there is something else that... And and this is
0: a big shout out to any of your listeners, by the way. I feel... So if, if you have the information, send it my way. I found it very difficult to find successful entrepreneurs sharing content to entrepreneurs. Meaning that right now in China, we have a lot of content, but it has been usually prepared by universities, journalists, organizations. And we lack real raw content from successful entrepreneurs to entrepreneurs. Like in the U.S., you can find, you know, any blogs by entrepreneurs or VCs, et, cetera, et cetera, right? There is no filter in between. And I feel like the Chinese ecosystem might learn a lot when entrepreneurs will share where they failed so that it does not happen again in
1: the future. And is to hook to into that, do you think is that... Um it could be maybe a cultural thing because face or, or prestige here in China. If you if you lose face, that is that's a huge no no. Um, so maybe if they failed, maybe that's different from in the US. If if you failed in a in a business in the US as an entrepreneur, it's like okay, well give it another go. You learn a, a lot of things, so um, try with what you learned. Try it again. And yeah. here in China, do you see that as a difference or? no you're
0: absolutely correct the fact that there is a culture against the the concept of taking big risks and failing fast is definitely preventing Um, from my own perspective and experience that's probably where i'm biased and i would love to hear different insights failing is part of the entrepreneurship journey so until somebody kind of step up and say i'm jack ma i failed this is my story i'm afraid we'll still prevent Thousands, or probably millions, of young Chinese entrepreneurs from being comfortable with it, giving it a chance, and then sharing their insights with the next generation.
1: I think that's I think that's very uh, insightful and important what you're saying. Um, I don't see that happening with like the big players real soon. Mm And I I don't see Jack Ma going. (laughs) actually, maybe I see Jack Ma doing that if he had failed. But I don't think we can say for now that Jack Ma has failed. That's right. Um, He's been pretty successful uh, with things. Um, But I I think that would be a very good indicator as soon as that happens, because I feel China, on that part, is is still pretty closed, And people keep that to themselves, and they don't feel comfortable with sharing that openly. might be of whatever reason, could be that cultural reason we just talked about or, or other reasons. And I think that's different than uh, in the US or in in Europe, and I'm from Europe, the Europe and the US is already different. Mm. Where in Holland, if you failed, then you're already, you also don't like to share that. But I think here in China, it's even more close than that's right. than, than Europe and definitely the US. Uh, beyond sharing resources, and, and you also right on that front, there is the concept
0: of mentoring. That is so prevalent in the programs that textiles are running, right? We you typically join the textiles accelerators because you want to have access to this pool of amazing mentors. The concept of mentoring that I've been faced with here is very different. There is a tendency for mentors to tell the answer or break things down and then help them build. The challenge is that, from our perspective, from my perspective, that's not how I see a constructive mentorship system for entrepreneurs where kind of mentors their role is just to ask the tough questions and let the entrepreneurs figuring it out instead of just bringing up you know how the thousands reasons why the entrepreneurs are going to fail and then tell them what to do with this and and i think that's going to be another sign that i'm looking for when i go to a startup weekend where how the mentors are dealing with the participants is an indicator of the maturity of that local ecosystem. So, I have a hack, and that hopefully is not going to make you super happy again, um, is the fact that I've realized that actually female mentors in mainland China are so much better than male mentors, and this is kind of uh, an annoying, mind-blowing type of insight because Participants don't necessarily look for seniority or leadership advices from female mentors which is another by the way indicator of how early the market is but clearly the quality of events goes so much higher when females are actually in leadership positions their approach their attitude with the teams is so much better so my advice to you if you're running a tech event don't just have all male panels Give yourself a chance to have more and more diversity and you will see a clear improvement to the quality of the insight shared. And I hope that soon to become successful entrepreneurs will not surround themselves with just like a full dude's board of advisors. They will also welcome diversity and I'm pretty certain that it's going to help them become successful faster.
1: I think that that's very insightful as well, and I and I recognize it as well. One of the things I do in China, I, I work at a university, um, I teach uh, computer science, and I recognize very much what you're saying. I'm not so much about, also that my female students, they are, um, they are usually a higher quality than uh, the male students. Um, but I recognize that my students are mostly asking questions and expecting me to give the answer not give them a direction to look for the answer and that's what i recognize with your story about the mentorship Mm. no that that's absolutely true and uh,
0: and what i always remind everybody is how humble uh we should be and and what i'm trying to dig deeper is that model meaning that is it us just not understanding it and kind of overlooking at Something amazing, brewing under our considerations. Um, so i'm I'm still very open-minded, and again, if if some listeners have suggestions on how we can keep that debate going, I would love to hear their insights because it's a big deal. Mentorship, is really a prevalent aspect of success for entrepreneurs. You need the support of your community, you need the support of senior people who've been through your journey before you and can kind of help you save some time and resources by not making their mistakes as well. So if there are
1: some suggestions, we'd love to hear them up. That's great stuff. Um, now we're getting closer to the to the end, I think, of our of our talk. Um, Do you have one more maybe actionable tip for doing business in China? This is how I like to end the podcast. Um, So what what would be the thing that you want to share with the audience?
0: I think that being an entrepreneur in China, you need to be aware of one thing. The The customers are the king of the game, meaning that there are so many services thrown at them subsidizing their usage, the, the acquisition and retention of customers. Um, that if you're a new entrepreneur and you don't have in mind a very smart acquisition and retention strategy, you're going to be burning so much cash. And I would say, even if you have a smart strategy, you're still going to burn so much cash. So my tip number one is really to understand how well you can raise money and keep doing it again and again and again until you find that smart acquisition and retention strategy. Um, because otherwise you're going to get bust so quickly. And I'm not talking you know, about 150K USD. That's going to get you nowhere, especially if you're targeting uh, shanghais customers. You want to raise millions, which brings us back to the original point, right? Which is frustrating because eventually the founder has to spend a lot of time dealing with all these VCs and stuff. But... Unfortunately, so far the model that I've seen, and it might change soon, hopefully, is that you really want to have
1: cash available. And is this for uh, the kind of like consumer kind of businesses, or is this also for B two B or any certain segments? What you're referring to?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's definitely more B two C. I think for B two B, the first tip is really understand power plays in each organizations um, because. It, it's very difficult to understand who you're interacting with and who's going to approve the budget and who's going to sign the check. Uh, that would be probably
1: my tip number one. And it's probably for each part of that question, it's a different person <laughs> in, in the Chinese organization. Absolutely. They like to divide their roles uh, That's pretty right. uh drastically uh, in, in my view, and my experience.
0: That's right. Um, and, and maybe tip number two is be so humble. There is so much to learn from doing business in China that if we are being stuck to our considerations, we're just going to
1: hit a big, big wall on our face. Fully agree with that. Um, as a last wrap-up, where can the audience get in touch with you or learn more about what you're working on? So... Techstars.com is an exceptional place if you're looking
0: for our accelerator program, but also we have a great blog with a lot of leadership uh, posts that are worth reading. For me personally, feel free to uh, look at my blog. It's called carnet.cc. We share a lot of our insights as we, we go on our journey. And if you're interested in our programs here in China, feel free to follow us on WeChat. Our official account is called Techstars Official, all in one word. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. So feel free to reach out. Okay, thank
1: you very much, uh, Matthew. Thank you very much, Jones.
0: Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.